This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 125, for Monday, October the 21st, 2013. On the program today, we are going to break down, recap, and discuss season four, episode number two, called Infected. We're also going to read your holy crap, did you see that moments. And we have a special announcement coming up later about listener feedback. So It's a secret for now. It's a secret for now, but it won't yeah. be for very long. No, not very long. Uh, so make sure you tune in later on for that. First, though, I'd like to just wish everyone a good Apple Day. Apple Day. Apple Day. Nothing to do with iPods or iPads or MacBooks or anything like that. But Apple Day is a day to recognize the wealth and variety of apples available in the United Kingdom. Mostly... I, I, I actually celebrated Apple Day in grade two. And oh, I'll yeah? Uh, you, know, you want me to describe my, my Apple Day? Sure, quick. So in grade two, uh, every day, uh, the teacher, Mrs. Nurkula... Uh, went through the class, picked a student in class, and they were the special, the, her special student for the day, and any assistance she needed, she used that student. And it got through part of the year, blah, 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 and it turned out that one day, this special day, Apple Day, I got picked as the special student for that day. So I got to help out with uh, putting baked apples in the oven and all kinds of stuff that happened that day uh, in grade two in Mrs. Nurkula's class. First of all, Mrs. Nurkula, that's an awesome name. It really is, yeah. And second of all, congratulations on being like the class helper for the day. Yeah, it was the first time I had ever been picked special on a special day. It was a double special for me. It was the first time that ever <laughs> happened. Well, Apple Day is mostly recognized in the UK, apparently. Um, but and I'm, Mrs. Nurkula's class. Yeah, well, I'm not too surprised it was happening here in Canada as well, being, you know, given the fact that we have a relationship with the United Kingdom. Um, at least, at least, uh, we, you know, have the queen sort of, <laughs> well, we have, she's on our money. Yeah, that's right. She's all over the money. Um, but, uh, today is, is Apple day. So if you want to participate, you can, you know, make something out of apples, like a pie. You can just eat an apple or, uh, you can maybe go apple picking. That's the sort of thing you can do at this time of year, at least in our part of the world. Right. That sounds wonderful. What's your favorite kind of apple? Oh, that's a difficult question as there are so many, but I do enjoy a pink lady. That's good. Pink ladies are good. Yeah. I really don't like Red Delicious. I don't know. No, I'm not a big fan of the Red Delicious myself. I'm, I'm a more of a Royal Gala. Oh, yeah. Royal guy. Galas are similar to the Pink Lady, so I, I can get on board with those. And yeah. I do like the um, the green ones. Uh, green apples? What are they called? Granny Smith? Granny Smith. I like a Granny Smith yeah. now and then, too, because of they're so sour and tart, sort of. Yeah. I like a Granny Smith every now and again. When I was a kid, I used to like Granny Smith, but uh, I've grown more to the Royal Gala as I got older. Well, and the Macintosh is okay, but it's a little bit boring, if you ask me. Yeah. The Mac Macintosh apples. So, uh, really quickly, I, I got a couple of facts here about apples, Jason. Cool. Um, do you know why apples float? Uh, they <laughs> are less dense than water. <laughs> They're 25% air. Making, oh, them, nice. making them float on water. And apparently in ancient Greece, tossing an apple to a girl was a proposal of marriage. And catching it was a, a positive response, a response of yes. Well, nice. So if she fumbled it and drops it by accident, there could be great confusion there. She, in, she intended to catch it, but she didn't. 
Or if it was rotten and you whipped it at her head and it exploded off of her forehead. Uh, also, probably not the greatest way to, to do it, but, you know, yeah, you're right. That wouldn't be so good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. All right, so happy Apple Day, everybody. Um, go have an apple and celebrate, whatever your favorite And, and Apple's kind is. just a couple of other fun facts about apples oh, that good. I happen to know off the top of my head. Sure, why not? Is that uh, eating an apple will uh, perk you up like a cup of coffee. No There's kidding. There's a bit of a stimulant in there. And apple seeds contain just a little bit of poison. Not enough to kill you. No, you'd have to eat like super tons of uh, apple seeds, but there is a there is a little tiny bit of poison in there. Who knew that we knew such, so much about apples? I did. You well, never asked. <laughs> well, okay. Good thing we <laughs> got to Apple Day then. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I'm going to do our listener call of the week right now, Jason, and I think okay. uh, I'm going to pose a question to the audience after. So this sure. is from Jim in Delaware. Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Jim from Delaware. First, I want to say I love you guys' podcast. Second, I knew that the uh, season premiere was going to be something special because in the uh, top corner where they have the rating, this one, unlike the other ones, this one was rated TVM. So I knew something special was going to happen. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. So the premiere of season four, according to uh, Jim here, was rated TVM or mature. Mm-hmm. Unlike the other Walking Dead episodes, now there, I think there's some confusion here. At least, certain, there certainly is for me, anyways, because the Walking Dead, when originally, you know, premiered on TV, season one, two, and three, or whatever, it was rated TV fourteen, right? Which means you can get away with a little bit of uh, slightly more mature stuff, but it's not sort of an adults only, you know, eighteen and over kind of show. Um. But at some point, if I'm not mistaken, maybe during season three, I think it was during season three, they officially switched it over to a TVM. And that's why now we're getting the odd shit thrown in there and, you know, extreme zombie killing gore and stuff like that. But I don't know this 100% for sure. And I went on the internet to try and figure it out, but I could not find a reliable source of TV... Uh, ratings for or ratings for TV shows. My source, yeah, I've I, I'm right there with you. My I've had a problem in the past trying to figure out ratings for television shows, and usually I just go to iTunes. iTunes will tell you what the rating is. You no, know, but iTunes even has a different system because I I looked in my iTunes library at The Walking Dead, and some of them say 18 plus, some of them say um, something else, TV TV something. I forget now. But it's, it's not even consistent. I went to IMDb, and every episode is listed as TV 14, even season four, episode one. Um, and when you watch it on iTunes, it doesn't have the ratings overlay on the video, so you can't see what's embedded in the video. So in this case, I also tried to go to AMC's website to watch the full episode, which I did, and they do have the rating embedded in the video, and in, it was, in fact, TVM. But IMDb is not correct because they have TV 14. So I'm really not sure if there's anywhere online that you can find the definitive guide to TV episode ratings. Hmm. Um, I'm just I'm looking at my iTunes library and everything so far from the first three seasons are TV 14 plus. Right. But what about season four, episode one? Does it not say 18 plus? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't downloaded it yet. I was watching it uh, from the cloud, oh. so I haven't downloaded it yet. I'm, I'm checking that now. Right. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure the one I got said 18 plus. So yeah, something did change. It seems like it. I'm just not sure when, and I'm not sure where the accurate information on that is. So if anyone out there can help us out, I would be interested in checking out 
when this switchover happened, if it's actually happened at all, or if there's an official sort of cutover from TV 14 to TVM, um, you know, so if there's a source for that, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind knowing what it is. But anyways, back to Jim's point, uh, season four, episode one was indeed TVM. And I guess uh, he was excited because he figured they could get away with a little bit more of the language, a little bit more of the gore. And uh, we're getting up into, well, in theory, we could go into, you know, Dexter territory or something where there's nudity and stuff like that. Although, Although I don't think AMC is going to go there, nor I don't think they have any intention of going there. But I don't really know. But you never know. So... Uh, yeah, one and two are 18 plus on iTunes. Right. So something is different, but I don't know if I trust that information. That is the problem. Huh. So what about the ratings board? Can you go to the ratings board site and look up uh, ratings? Well, that would be great. Um, I don't know. I, I went to a site that I think is the ratings board site, but there didn't seem to be all that much there. It was just sort of information on each of the different ratings. And there's a bunch of them for TV. Uh, and they also have qualifying letters, too. If it's TV... Uh, TV 14, they, yeah, they try to... V for yeah. language and violence. That's right. N for nudity. Yeah, that kind of stuff. They indicate what you're going to see, why it's TV 14. So it's actually a simple yet complicated or complex system. Yeah. I always thought that when they put up the L and the V and the N for whatever's in there, that it's actually rating the segment. Like when you come back from a commercial, the ratings show up on the, uh, on the screen. I always thought that... Uh, you know, the rating, the TV 14 LV meant that in this segment, there will be language and there will be violence. Oh, really? Does it come up every after every That's commercial? Just in a, it does come up after every commercial, but the fact that it's rated on a segment-by-segment segment basis is completely conjecture on my part. Interesting. I, I don't know. I wonder if they would do that. I mean, I suppose they could, but you're right. It does come up usually after every commercial, doesn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Well, if anyone out there knows or, or has insight into the TV ratings board, I guess mostly in the U.S. Uh, in Canada, <laughs> do we even use the same the same one? I, I don't no, know. We, we use do. different ones. We have MA for mature. It's it's slightly different for Canada. Interesting. Okay, so I wonder if um, the local networks here that would broadcast these shows. I guess in, on AMC, it was just, it's always on AMC. They don't have a partner in Canada like major networks do. I don't know. Anyways, if anyone has any insight into that, I would love to to hear about it. And at the very least, a definitive guide online to find out TV ratings. That would be awesome. Yeah. And typing in TV ratings in a search engine just gives you what their, uh, how many viewers they had. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's more like TV parental guidance ratings or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It was hard to find. Thank you, Jim, for the listener call of the week. Now we're going to get right into recapping Season 4, Episode 2, called Infected. Now, when you think about the title of this episode, it really, really is sort of obvious and descriptive of what's going on in this one. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and, and frankly, I can't believe this title hasn't been used before on this show. Well, they didn't you know have I mean? quite this meaning meaning for this word in uh, in this show before. Well, not exactly the same, but infection is obviously a a big thing here. So, I'm just surprised. This is the sort of word that you always associate with zombie properties, and they've never used it before. But maybe they were just hanging on to it for that special occasion, like this one. Right. I don't know. Anyhow, we open in the cold open. It's prison. At the prison, it's nighttime. And uh, somebody is at the fence with a flashlight feeding live rats to the walkers. Yeah. 
we don't know who it is. All we see is the flashlight and the hands and the a uh, couple of good up close shots of a walker biting the rat's head off. Secret so, uh, secret flashlight person. Secret flashlight person. We'll, that was. we'll talk after the recap about our theories on who it might be uh, and what, uh, what people are thinking there. But we don't find anything out in this scene. Instead, we cut over to Tyrese and Karen making out in, uh, in his, what's <laughs> so funny, in his cell. <laughs> no, it's just funny. It strikes me as funny as all. Well. All right. Well, you know, they're making like, out is, I don't know, just. It's very teenage. It's very teenage. Is that what they call it these days? Is that what the kids are calling it these days, making out? I don't know. My kids are Or macking. Ooh. I don't when know I was, if that's When what I was a kid, it. it was called necking. You'd neck. Necking? Yeah, that was Northern Ontario thing. We, yeah. You, <laughs> I've heard the term before, but I don't know. It's, I don't know what the kids call it today. My kids are not old enough, thankfully, and I'm too old. <laughs> so yeah. who knows? But I'm going to say they were making out. Okay. And Tyrese is still upset about Zach dying. And uh, they talk about that for a minute. And he notices a bracelet on her arm. Now, it looks to me like the bracelet said rock, paper, scissors. Could you make out what was on that bracelet? Did not notice the bracelet. Well, it was an important plot point that they showed it. You were supposed to notice it at this point. Yeah, I must have missed it. All right. Don't blink. Uh, It looked to me like it said rock, paper, scissors. I'm not sure what that means, but she was wearing it. And then he sings to her. He sings, I got you under my skin. I don't know if that was the song title. I could have looked yeah, that I know, up. Uh, yeah, I know this song. And he sounds like I uh, he sounds like I sing. He was singing, and it sounded like what I what would happen if I tried to sing. Let's hear a little. No. Come he on. was a bad singer. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. I can't sing. Well, and I didn't think he could sing either. It's nice that he was not shy enough, and he would sing to his lady. It is nice. Yeah, I'm sure you do that in, in private, too. Oh, I sing to my, my wife, and I sing to my cats all the time. Oh, Usually nonsensical little stupid songs about their eyes and fur and stuff. And that that's for my cats, not my wife. <laughs> Her eyes and her fur. Yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to hear your cat song someday, Jason. Uh yeah, that won't happen. <laughs> Anyways, Tyrese and Karen are sharing a nice moment here and she gets up to go, but he wants her to stay over at his place. Uh but she declines. Yeah. And she says, if we start doing that, we're not gonna want to stop. <laughs> and why would that be a bad thing? I really don't know. Uh but she just sort of doesn't want to get into it yet i figure i don't know i mean it's it's unfortunate that she doesn't because they may not have much time she wants to wait and see if he dies right or if he mans up a little bit he doesn't like any of the jobs he's been doing so maybe she's sort of feeling a little bit unsure about him now yeah that's true she wants a manly man i don't know she leaves though and she's making her way back to her cell block going through the prison washroom. Now, she has a flashlight in this scene, too. But, of course, it's very, very dark and spooky and scary. That was the worst flashlight ever. Well... Like, it didn't light up anything in that room. Yeah, I guess, I mean, worst flashlight or where there's a room just too big and the flashlight couldn't handle it? I don't know. Would she move that flashlight around and she placed it on top of the sink when she was washing her hands and such? But uh, that flashlight, from what I can tell, did not illuminate a damn thing in that washroom. Well, maybe it was a plot device flashlight because being so dark and shadowy in there, it did amp up the tension for me a little bit. It did. I, I, I thought this was a really creepy scene, to be honest with you. And it I would not want to be walking around a prison bathroom in the middle of the night in a world filled with zombies with a, pro, a plot device flashlight because yeah, that kidding. would freak me out. Now she the fl- the light did start to flicker out and she whacked the flashlight a couple of times so the light would be stronger. Do you have any idea why that works? Cuz it does work. 
Um, I'm thinking it's because the batteries aren't quite making the right contact inside the flashlight because either the contacts are corroded slightly or the flashlight's just old and they, they don't fit right anymore. So and it doesn't so when actually you jostle the contents of the battery and uh, juices them up a little bit? I, I don't think you can juice up batteries that way, but I do think you can slightly adjust the contact with the the contacts inside the inside the flashlight. Okay, so by whacking it, you actually uh, stir up the, uh, the the contact points and any oxidization in there. Uh, it would scrape that off so that you yeah. have a better contact and a lower voltage or whatever. Shake off the rust, basically. Okay, all right. That's my theory, and I'm sticking that works. to it. I was always, I've always been curious about that. I never, never knew. Well, now you do. At least you know what I think. Yeah. She hears a noise in there, and she goes and looks behind some shower curtains or something, but doesn't see anyone. And she leaves on her way back to cell block D, and just after she goes, Walker Patrick appears. So he is a walker, and he's walking around. Or at least I think it was Walker Patrick. It was a it was a zombie that got up, and we didn't really see him just from behind, and it was too dark anyways. It was Patrick. But who else would it be? There, he hadn't created another zombie yet that we know of. Right. So she goes out into cell block D, and the first thing I noticed here was, what the hell is with people sleeping in cells with the cell doors wide open. Escape. No. What if you need to get out of there? Well, the, the thing is, if, if you're in a cell, the only way to... There's only one door in and out. So if something... You know, you're safer with the door closed if something gets into the cell block. Like well, that if, makes perfect sense in retrospect. If, if the doors are open with just curtains waving in the wind which I don't know where it, the wind is coming from. They must have the cell, the jail windows open. I don't know. Well, I would. Yeah. Good God, wouldn't you? <laughs> Me too, but I'm pretty sure jail windows don't open. Uh, sure they do. They do? You, yeah, especially an old jail like that. Do you think it's air conditioned? With bars over them, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. they have they have those. They just open, you open the windows with the bars and uh, let some breeze in. Okay, so they had the windows open, but I don't know why you wouldn't sleep with your cell door at least pulled closed, even if it no. wasn't latched all the way. I wouldn't do it. I'd feel, uh, I'm claustrophobic, and I would feel uh, trapped if I w- had closed a, you know, an iron bar door to my bedroom. That's the idea. You're, you're trapped, no, but you're in safe. In retrospect, it makes perfect sense, but in this, uh, this safe land that they've been living in for the last couple of months, there's no real need to do that, and to have a sense of uh, being able to come and go as you please, and to be able to escape if you need to, or to go and help if you need to, uh, I think the doors open uh, made perfect sense to me. So a doors open policy at the prison. That's great. Okay, well, I mean, I can see how this is showing that people have become a little bit complacent and settled here. You know, they're they're not worried about anything going wrong anymore. But I'm sorry. I think I would probably close my door just out of, I don't know, sheer nervousness. You never Are know. Are you a door closer? Um, uh, honestly, not really in my house. I don't ever close doors in the house. Well, there you go. But in, Same I don't thing. know. In a zombie world, in a prison, I think I might keep the cell door closed just for extra safety. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend who was a, a door closer. He said a room didn't feel like a room until the door was closed. Right. Well, I can see that too. You need four walls around you. Yeah, he was crazy though. All right. Uh, well, Patrick shambles in after Karen goes to sleep. He comes up to her cell, but a noise distracts him just as he's about to turn into her cell, and he uh, goes into another room another cell and starts eating the neck of a guy who's snoring. I guess he heard the snoring. It's terribly unfortunate that he uh, the first bite was the voice box. It is terribly unfortunate. He could no longer snore or scream for help. Yeah, or pretty it, much do anything. If he got him in the 
ankle, he could at least wake up, kick him off. He still probably would die, but, you know, the whole thing would have been over right there. Yeah. Uh, but he gets eaten while everybody else sleeps, and we go to the opening credits. When we come back, Rick is up with Judith, and he wakes up Carl. The clock says 6 a.m., so he's not letting Carl sleep in this time. They got to get to their farming, I guess. Mm-hmm. We, uh, Patrick is eating the guy still. He hears some coughing, and he leaves. And the snoring man now gets up, and his guts tumble out onto the floor as he stands up to be the second walker now made. Icky. It was pretty gross. <clears throat> we go over to Glenn and Maggie in the fornication tower. Yeah. It seems like they're living in the tower. It does. You know, they don't... Why wouldn't they? Glenn and Maggie, that's all they do is fornicate in the tower and look, keep lookout. In episode one, though, we saw them in a cell. So they obviously have living... Um, living... Um, what do you call it? living quarters quarters (laughs) come on they have a summer home let's just call it the summer home there you go it's the summer fornication home um so but they're up there and he takes a picture of her sleeping with the camera he took from the raid in the previous episode i'm going to assume Mm -hmm. and after they chat for a second he leaves to do a perimeter check he said now jason do you think this this picture is coming back do you think this picture is going to be important at some point no, probably not. You don't think so? No, I, think, I don't think so. I think either one of those characters is not going to survive, and that picture is going to be clutched in their hand, whoever it is, on their deathbed. Why would uh, they? Well, if that's the case, then Maggie's going to die. And he's going to have just have this picture of her. Yeah, the I'll last... have that picture of her sleeping, the creepy thing to do, take a picture of a sleeping person. That's not creepy at all. It's slightly less creepy when it's your spouse. I don't know. I mean, if I if I woke up tomorrow morning and took a picture of my sleeping wife and said I'm going to keep this in my wallet, she'd be a little weirded out. Yeah, I can see that, but I don't know. Not a lot of pictures get taken in this world, and uh, you know, Maggie didn't seem that upset about it. She just didn't want to keep it. Take a picture with her eyes open, man. Why? Well, I, I agree. A nice with you. smile. I think it would be lovely. I think a sleeping picture is a little creepy. Okay. Unless it's your cat. I have I have pictures of my sleeping cats. Kids, too. I've taken pictures of my sleeping kids. Yeah, see, that's all fine and good, but right. sleeping spouse or sleeping significant other is uh, is creepy. Okay, a little bit creepy. I just think this picture is going to play a role at some point later when one of those characters is on their deathbed. Which, all right, so Maggie's going to die. Uh, well, it, it pains me to say it, but I think she might. I think she might. Okay. Could be this season, could be two seasons from now. I don't know. But he's going to be carrying that picture around with him from now on. That's what I'm thinking. That could be. We go outside to Michonne leaving, and uh, she's on her way out again. Rick and Carl are going to do their farming. And Carl starts talking about doing other stuff besides farming, but Rick isn't into it at all. He is Farmer Rick now. That's all he does. Mm -hmm. And then Carl asks him when he can have his gun back, but Rick kind of dodges the question. So this is just reinforcing that Rick is done with guns. He's... He's really a farmer now. He's not into protecting. He's just into growing and, uh, you know, growing food and and making their life livable at the prison. And Carl, by extension. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But they suddenly hear some loud bangs in the cell block. Now, did these sound like gunshots to you? Yeah. Did they? Just distant gunshots from inside a big concrete building, I guess. Yes. I I assumed they were gunshots. Well, so did I, but they weren't, I didn't. They didn't really come across as gunshots to me at first, but I guess if they're muffled by the building, that's maybe what they would sound like. Now, they're filming in a, in a real prison, right? No, they're filming. The prison is a set. 
the whole thing is a set, so there's no real concrete to. Because I was just thinking, if it's if it was an old prison that they took over for filming of this, then they would probably try and get the, the noise accurate from like make a a shot sound inside the prison and see what it sounded like outside. Well, I'm, they probably did do that. I mean, I guess they have Foley people that are making those kind of sound effects, and it wouldn't be too hard to to learn what that kind of sound actually sounded like from that distance. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I'm going to say it was probably accurate, but for some reason it just didn't strike me. It didn't have the crack of a gunshot, you know? Well, that's because it was muffled by prison. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. All so right. Well, and, and just an aside, Foley artists are awesome. They are awesome. It's one of the things I, you know, that'd be a great career, being a it Foley would. guy. Yeah. Inventing ways to make things sound like other things, sort of. Yep. <laughs> Fun stuff. Fun stuff. So all hell starts breaking loose. We see Glenn. He yells that there's walkers in D, something we saw from the uh, trailer. Yep. And uh, Michonne is just on her way out, but she hears the noises too. So she turns around to come back, but she gets stuck in the gate with some walkers uh, while when Carl opens the gate for her. She yeah. didn't quite make it in in time this time. So she gets one of them off, and Carl has now grabbed a gun from the tower and shoots it, a rifle. And is this the first time we've seen Carl use a rifle, like a big long gun? I believe so, yeah. He's always been a handgun kid, right? He has, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's hasn't used a gun in a while, yet he knows how to use a rifle. I guess you just point and shoot, right? <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> and, and hope you're pointing in the right direction. I'm sure he's had instruction on uh, how to use a rifle. Right. Maybe a while ago. Yeah, probably. Well, he shoots one off, and then Michonne manages to kind of kick the other one off with Maggie's help because she ran down from the tower now. Um, but she twists her ankle, it looked like. Now, it was hard to tell what exactly she hurt here because she kicks the walker off kind of upside down over herself and then screams in pain. But I thought maybe she wrenched her shoulder or her wrist or something, but turns out we find out later it was her ankle. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. I thought maybe it was her back or maybe uh, I thought for a half a second, I thought maybe she was uh, bitten by the zombie somehow. Uh, yeah, it was unclear to me exactly what she hurt until later when we saw it bandaged. I mean, I know I have such bad ankles that no matter what I did, at least the one ankle, I'd probably be hurting it all the time. And if I tried to run away from a zombie, I would end up twisting my ankle, fall down, and that would be it for me. So... Right. Maybe Michonne has bad ankles like I do. Maybe. I don't know. Should uh, write her a letter, ask her. And find out. How's your ankles? Yeah. So we cut over to all the chaos erupting in cell block D. There seems to be lots of walkers. And now Daryl, Rick, Sasha, Carol, and Karen are fighting them off. And then Tyrese shows up to try to help Karen. We didn't really see him do much other than kind of grab her and make her make sure she was safe. Well, that's a manly thing to do. I guess so. Maybe but she'll move in with them, though. Maybe she will. This this is the turning point for their relationship. Yeah. Right? right? <laughs> You've now saved my life. You are a man enough to have me want to sleep over at your place. To sleep over at your cell. That's right. Well, maybe that'll happen later. Probably not, yeah. though. Carol is there. She takes a guy into a cell whose arm is bitten, and she is acting fast. She is prepared to amputate that arm. Um, but she, she notices, notices he's been bit in the neck too. So yeah, the this, back of the neck. Yeah. This guy is not long for this world. Um, Daryl, unless she could figure out a way to amputate his neck. Yeah. That's a little trickier than the arm or the it's leg. Tough. It's, it's tough. 
it is tough. So she decides not to do anything because, well, there's no helping poor uh, the poor guy. But we see Daryl, uh, Rick, and Glenn go upstairs. Patrick's up there now, and he almost gets Glenn. Patrick comes out of a cell at Glenn, but Daryl bolts him in the head. Mm-hmm. Pretty good scene. Another one we saw in the trailer, and it now makes sense in context of the show. It does. We go to a commercial, and we come back. They're cleaning up after the attack. Rick looks pretty distressed having to stab people in the head, but I think the point is here he actually is doing it. That's true. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't lost it enough that he can't kill the people that are going to turn into walkers or, you know, something else. But, you know, he does look pretty upset having to do it. Carol is in the cell trying to comfort the guy, and it turns out he is the father of the two girls, Lizzie and Mika, mm-hmm. who we saw in the previous episode. And uh, he, before he dies, he tells Carol to take care of them like they were his own. So um, Carol looks like she's going to be coming, becoming a mother figure again after she I lost Sophia. So. Yeah. Uh, we see Daryl Herschel, Rick, Bob, and Doctor S talking about Patrick. I think this is Bob's only scene in this episode. After, it could be after playing such an important role in uh, see in the first episode, he's all he is is here. And Doctor S, who is a new character for the show. Mm-hmm who came from Woodbury. They're talking about Patrick, and Dr. S realizes that he was just sick. Like, it wasn't... It was a it was a fast-acting, fl- some sort of flu-like illness. It wasn't that... It wasn't something different about the zombie uh, virus. It was just a flu that killed him really quick. And then Rick tells them about the sick pigs, and uh, they realize that all of them have now been exposed and could be at risk uh, of this flu. So, you know what I liked about this scene? What did you like? It really, it was really, really written very well in that, you know, we've talked about it before. A lot of TV shows have the problem that characters don't talk to each other. They don't relay important information to each other at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And that's done, you know, for dramatic purposes. The writers feel that it's better that characters don't know certain things that the audience does know for the tension. Like Three's Company. Three's Company happened in Lost all the time, stuff yeah. like that. Have this, a conversation, people. Have a conversation. In this scene, they did. They stood around. They talked it out. They figured out what was going on. You know, in any other show, Rick wouldn't wouldn't have said, oh, the pigs died and I saw that dead boar. But he did. And I think that's a testament here to to the writing on this episode, not holding anything back, laying that's it true. all out there and letting the characters react realistically to what's going on i I hadn't considered that but that's a that's a very good point and it is different from even past seasons of this show right where people don't talk to each other this uh yeah that's a very good point i like that um this show hasn't been as bad as some others but you're right even in past seasons there's been the odd scene where you just wish someone would say something and get it out there but i think they did it really well here um, but we go over to Carol, who brings the girls in, Lizzie and Mika, to say goodbye to their father. I think his name is Ryan. Their father, I think his name is Ryan. You think so? Yeah. I, I believe she said his name, but it was tough to hear. Uh, so they come to say goodbye to their father, and he dies, and Carol tries to send them outside um, so she can stab him in the head, basically, and prevent him from coming back. But Lizzie, the older girl, says she wants to do it herself. Mm-hmm. And she steps up with the knife, but ultimately can't do it. So uh, Carol does, 
as the girls turn away and cry. Now, I thought these two little girls did a pretty good job in this scene. I think so, too. You know, the child actresses here were uh, were great. Sometimes with kids it can be iffy. And this is a heavy-duty emotional scene where their own father is on his deathbed and one of them thinks about ending it for him. So this is, this is pretty heavy-duty stuff. And I think both of them did a really good job. Yeah. I mean, it would be very upsetting. I mean, if you have a loved one that's... Uh you know, suddenly about to die and the only thing left to do is to stab him in the neck. It's very traumatic. Stab him in the ear, more like. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, uh, well, I really don't think I could do it, but. Well, you, you'd you be a zombie already anyways. But. Well, I would be a zombie already. And I, you know, I, I think I, if I wasn't a zombie already, I think I would act like a, a 10 year old girl. Uh, yeah. In situation. But that's the thing. I mean, I think their reaction was completely realistic and just the actresses the young actresses did a really nice job i completely bought what they were selling in this oh, scene, yeah Absolutely. in this scene and i was really happy to see that so uh, you know who knows if these two girls will be a bigger part of the show going forward there's a lot of theories about what's going to happen to them and what their fate might be out there but i hope they're around at least for a little while because i think it would be interesting to see some more of uh what makes these girls kick uh, tick and develop their characters a little bit yeah um, so Maggie and Carl, we go outside, they're bringing Michonne back, who's limping or has a twisted ankle or whatever it is. And Rick comes out and tells them about the sickness and to stay away from the people that were exposed because they were outside. They figure they haven't been exposed yet. Now the interesting thing here is M- Maggie has not been exposed, but Glenn has because he was inside trying to, you know, fight the zombies. Yep. So that's not great for them. And there's a weird shot here of a wide shot of the four of them standing there. And then a woman comes out, which looks to be carrying a baby or a child in a blanket. And I, it, it was a kind of a weird overhead shot or sort of wide distance shot. And it's right in the middle of their conversation. And they kind of pause for a second to let her come out and do this. And I get it was just emphasizing the fact that something really bad just happened. And yeah. maybe there was another child there that didn't make it. But... I don't know. It felt like a little bit of a weird shot to me to put in at that moment. You know, maybe maybe if it came before the conversation or after, I, I don't know. It didn't strike me as odd. Sorry. Well, I don't know. It, it did for me. And, and also because we didn't really see that death occur in the prison. I guess we didn't see all, nearly all the deaths, but they seem to make a point of it here, but they didn't earlier. So I, I'm not sure what right. it was all about. But, I mean, it was kind of effective because, you know, anybody carrying a dead child is is uh, heartbreaking. It's upsetting. We go inside to the council. So now we see the council discussing something. And it is indeed Carol, Daryl, Sasha, Herschel, and Glenn. And they are discussing how to keep everybody isolated and where can they put them, these people that have been exposed to the flu. Right. They In the hall, they hear some coughing. It's Tyrese taking Karen back to the cell block. So they run out and uh, tell them they got to stay separate and... Daryl or um, Tyrese and Karen agree, which is smart, I, su- I suppose. After, as they start separating, Daryl says he's going to bury the dead. And before he leaves, Carol asks if he asks if he's OK. And Daryl says, yep, got to be. So yeah. he's he, he's not, uh, you know, he's not. I mean, he's upset. He's worried about things, but he's like, what can you do? We yeah, we got to no keep kidding. moving. Got to keep moving. He's the consummate professional. He really is. He knows he's got to go bury the dead people and uh, wear a mask while he's doing it. 
Yeah, and gloves. Yeah, very important. We come back from a commercial break, and the girls are there with Carol by the fence. Um, Carol tells Lizzie that she's weak. She's very harsh with her in this scene. Yeah, no kidding. Says, you're weak. You can't be like that if you want to live. When we were in there killing your dad, you need to step up and kill your dad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Lizzie is all upset that they killed Walker Nick. Remember Walker Nick from last week? Yeah. So she's all upset about that. And uh, she kind of storms off and her sister Mika says, she's not weak. She's messed up. Yeah, no kidding. Which is interesting. And this is kind of why I think these two girls are going to be interesting if they stick around for a while. They're they're very different. They got a lot of things to work out. And, you know, it could go any way with them. So we will see. Yeah. We go over to Daryl. He's digging graves. Rick comes out to help. And this was a bit of a weird conversation because Daryl tells him that he's earned his time off to be a farmer. <laughs> 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 Which, I don't know, it's like... It, I didn't get the feeling that anyone was upset that Rick wasn't a bigger part of the decision-making council or any or the protection of the prison. He's just being a farmer, and I didn't really get the feeling that anyone was upset about that, but Daryl made a point to tell him that, you know what, it's okay, man. If you're feeling like you should be doing more, don't worry. You've done a lot. You can be a farmer for a while. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody's upset, and I think it's completely understandable uh, the level of crap that he's gone through in the last little while or last year. That uh, he he really does deserve a break without any flack. I guess so. To just go grow some pigs, grow pigs, plant some crops. Yeah. Uh, but and and Rick says he's. I think Rick isn't so sure he can handle it. But Daryl just reinforces you can you can handle it. You do whatever you want to be a farmer or come back and and be something else later on. So right. Suddenly Maggie runs up yelling for them, and apparently the fence is starting to give in to the zombie pressure. Zombie pressure. I think that was a Queen song, wasn't it? That's under pressure. Oh, right. Sorry. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Zombie pressure. Yeah. They start, uh, they run over, they start poking them through the fence, but there are just too many of them, and the fence is starting to push down. Mm-hmm. Inside, Beth is wrapping up Michonne's leg, and Michonne is mad at herself for getting stuck outside the gate. I guess she figures I should have been better. I should have been more careful, but you know, stuff happens. It does. Shit happens. Exactly. Judith is there because Beth is watching her and she's sitting on the floor floor playing with plastic cups, which I thought was a really nice touch in this episode because plastic cups are reasonably safe for a a baby to play with. And it's the kind of thing that would occupy a baby for hours on end because you can bang them together. <laughs> you can put the rim of the cup in your mouth. You're not going you know, to worry about choking on it. You're learning valuable life skills. How to drink. How to work with a cup. <laughs> That's right. You can put a ball in it, take it out, put it in again. I mean, there's all kinds of good stuff you can do with a cup. Uh, and the other thing is, as they were focusing on Beth and Michonne talking, Judith was in the background making what really sounded like zombie noises. <laughs> Also a nice touch, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Michonne s- really doesn't seem to like the baby's crying. It seems to upset her a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, we will find out more about that in a moment. Outside, we got a backstory here. Yeah, absolutely. I do yeah. think there's a backstory here. We'll talk about this in a second. Outside, okay. though, the team is still poking zombies through the fence. Sasha notices the dead rats on the ground and questions whether somebody is feeding them and why the hell would they do that. 
and who's stupid enough to leave the, leave the bodies of the dead dead rats lying on the, this side of the fence? Yeah, and Huck them over the fence for crying out loud. Well, and would there be any dead rat bodies left if a zombie was eating it? You think it just tear there the whole parts, eat the whole thing? Yeah, but those were they're th- not the neatest of eaters either, right? Like they yes. don't sit down with a knife and fork and make sure that they clean their plates before they can get up and go play. <laughs> no, that's true. They're just going to eat until it, you know it doesn't make as much sense to continue eating. It makes more sense to go off and find more food, and just going to drop it. Yeah, but all I can, but I don't know. All I can think is whoever's feeding the rats through the fence isn't really letting go of them. Sort of just feeding it to the zombie, and then once the zombie's taken a few bites, pulling it back and then just dropping it on the ground. Yeah. Because you think the zombie would at least pull the rat through the fence, and it or, wouldn't be on this side. Yeah, it depends on what they're doing, though. They might take a bite out of it, and then, you know, the rat just comes apart. I suppose. Anyway, regardless, get rid of the evidence. Like, why leave the rats lying around? Huck them over the fence, uh, they, you know, bury them somewhere, do something. Yeah, I guess if you just threw it over, though, the zombies wouldn't pay attention to it. A rat probably isn't big enough to draw its attention. No, but whatever's left over, like if you're yeah. if you're only feeding half a rat to a zombie and you've got half a rat in your hand, don't just drop it on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Get rid Throw of it. Throw it over the fence. Throw it over. Eat it yourself. Get rid of it. Do something with it. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think I'd be dumb enough to just leave evidence lying around like that. Well, we'll talk about after this who we think is doing this, and um, there could be a reason for, you know, not thinking it all the way through. Yeah. Uh, but the fence starts to come over even further, and we go to commercial. When we come back... They're still there. They're pushing the fence up. Rick steps up, realizes that this is sort of futile, and he tells Daryl to get the truck. He knows what to do. Yep. He knows what to do. We go inside. Carl is making grave crosses out of wood, I guess, markers. for all grave markers, yeah, yeah. Um, for all the people that died. Carol comes in to talk to him about the knife classes again, and once again she asks him not to tell Rick and she reveals here that it's mostly because she's worried that all the parents of these kids that are there won't understand. Or they may or they may not understand, but it's better to just not take that chance. Right. Um, and Carl says he doesn't want to lie to his dad um, about it. She says, you're not lying. You're just not telling him. <laughs> There's a difference. A lie of omission. That's right. There's a difference. Uh, now... This whole thing here with Carl and his dad, sort of before the next couple of scenes where we do see them talk about it, I felt like they were using this as a bit of a device to separate Carl and Rick. Because I think I said about last week's episode, they seem like they have a really good thing going, the the father and son. Good relationship, good dynamic. Seems like they've come together a little bit more through farming or just time spent over the break. Um, and I thought here they're just using this to set up a rift between the two where Carl isn't going to tell his dad and that'll be some, you know, it'll come out later or something. It'll be a form of tension between the two characters. Right. So we get a Three's Company situation again. <laughs> Everything comes back to Three's Company with you. When you have something that the audience knows uh, that the, the cast members of a television show aren't aware of, then yes, it's Three's Company. The commonly known Three's Company scenario. That's right. The audience knows, but the characters don't. There's a miscommunication that only the audience knows about. Right. Well, I just thought they were using it to... See, it's not even a miscommunication. It's just like, we got this thing. We need need some tension between these characters because there isn't any right now. For some reason, they hadn't set it up in another way. And I thought they were just using this to do that. But I think we see in a minute that that doesn't work out that way. Right. 
Uh, before that, though, we see Michonne exercising, and Beth is singing to Judith as she walks her around. Suddenly, the baby spits up carrots, carrots all over Beth's shoulder, and she rushes and asks Michonne to hold her for a minute so she can go get cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Michonne is very hesitant, but she does, and then uh, realizes that the baby is extremely cute and starts crying. <laughs> Beth sees them as she comes back, but she hangs back and gives them a minute. So um, what do you think about this scene, Mr. Miles, Michonne and her history with babies? Uh, I think there's a baby in her past that is no longer in her present, and she is upset about this. Yeah, I think you are probably onto something here. This is generally the consensus that the internet has come to, that there is something about Michonne in the past involving a baby that uh, went horribly wrong, or a child, maybe not necessarily a baby, you know, a child. I think it's her sister's baby. Do you? I think Michonne had a sister, and her sister had a baby, and uh, her sister and the baby uh, did not make it. Well, that's a pretty good theory, but um, I'm pretty sure in the comics, Michonne's backstory did include the loss of two children, actually. Oh. (laughs) Hers or her sister's, I, I don't know, but I think they're supposed to be hers. So it looks like... Was this in the Playboy episode or issue? uh, No, I checked her character. I'm not sure where it was was revealed in the story, but I checked her character page on the Walking Dead wiki, and it does list her uh, as having, I think, two children, both of whom are no, no longer with us. Oh. So that's unfortunate, and it looks like maybe they're working that into the TV show. Uh, this is the kind of story that I think we're probably going to get little pieces of over a long period of time. I don't know that we're going to all of a sudden get Michonne's entire child-related backstory. Right. And I think that's a good way to do it, to be honest. Well, yeah, you don't want to get give everything all at once. No, and Michonne is a mysterious character, right? And they're just slowly dropping little bits and pieces about her uh, her life, her attitude, everything. She's made big strides this season to be more friendly and and outgoing and so on smile she smiles and i think we're going to get little bits of her backstory a little bit more unlike some other characters where they reveal kind of a lot all at once you know right um so should be interesting to see where they go with that outside we have daryl driving a jeep with rick in a trailer they drive outside the gates and uh rick use lures the walkers away from the fence using the poor little piggies as bait (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one little piggy went to the zombies and so did the others <laughs> yeah i thought that was a little excessive did you did it upset you no i didn't think it didn't upset me i just thought that uh maybe one pig would have done it i don't think all three pigs had or it, at the most two pigs would have done it i don't think all three was absolutely necessary well it did look like there were a lot of walkers there and uh you know one pig would occupy a few of them but the rest might continue following the jeep i didn't see it coming to be honest that they would have pigs in that bin on the trailer i honestly thought they were just going to drive out there make some noise or light a fire or something to distract the walkers and get them away from the fence yeah that probably would have worked too well yeah but the pigs seem to i mean the pig pigs were a good idea you got to admit well the idea is uh i think the the, the main focus was supposed to be get the walkers off the fence so we can shore it up without them before they can blow it or push it over. Right. And so if we just lure them re- away, yeah, they're going to come away right from back. the fence. You got enough time to do that. 
I don't think it was necessary to sacrifice all three pigs to do that. Yeah, I mean, considering it probably wasn't easy acquiring those pigs. Honk the horn, you know, bang some pots and pans together, fire your firearm off into the uh, into the air, get an old-timey uh, alarm clock and set the alarm so the bell rings. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, what about the rats? You know, where are the rats? Right. Rats are, are a little small and already and sort got of kind of hunt them stuff, but... Yeah. The thing is, any of those other options, though, could attract other unwanted attention, right? If you light and, a giant fire... And a squealing fire, pig wouldn't? Well, come on. A squealing pig is sort of a natural sound-ish. But, and it, it, but if you light a giant fire, I mean, that's just a giant smoke signal going up into the sky, right? Or if you sit in a car with the horn blaring for a few minutes, I mean, you're going to... People are going to hear that or... Whoever's going to hear that from miles around, right? Other, You're going to attract other walkers or potentially other people, which yeah. you might not want to. Cutting a pig, throwing it to a bunch of walkers, that pig's not going to make sound for very long, and it is going to attract or occupy those walkers for long enough, I think. So I can, I see, disagree. The, I can see the logic, but I was sort of sad to see the pigs die. And the only the only advantage the pigs had over a car horn or banging pots and pans together is that uh, they will occupy some of the zombies after it stopped making noise. That's right, because right? they'll continue to eat it. But the horn advantage is you can honk the horn and drive away very slowly and lure them wherever the hell you want. I agree with that. Whereas I just a pig think... will just get a, you know 14 feet away from the fence and that's it for five minutes. Right, and then probably end up back at the fence. I, I completely agree with that. I just think luring them away with a horn, you're just, you're luring them. It's a no-win situation because you're luring them away and attracting more at the same time. At least with the pig, the zombies are off the fence. You have time to repair the fence, maybe, um, or at least put some logs up against it to hold it up. But, you know, you still have a zombie problem out there anyways, so. It's true. It was, it was some quick thinking on Rick's part, and I guess he did what he could at the, in the moment. Now, as he cuts the third pig, which uh, cutting the pigs, you know, also not, I don't know if that was entirely necessary, but I guess it helped the pigs not run away as soon as he dropped them on the ground, too. Yeah. You know? Well, that was the point where he cut the, uh, well, he did two things. One, he cut the femoral artery. Right. Uh, in the pig so that it would bleed. And two, that would prevent them from, uh, from running away. Poor little guys. As he cuts the third one, it just sprays blood all over his face. Yeah. Classic horror movie scene, really. <laughs> Hope the pigs weren't infected. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other pig died, and who knows what these ones are doing. Did you think the blood on the face scene was a bit gratuitous? No. I thought it was awesome. Okay, cool. The other thing I thought was awesome in this scene was the music. There was this great, great kind of sorrowful, sad music being played. I think Bear McCreary did a really fine job in this scene and in this whole episode, really. Yep. It was good. We go to commercial. We're all sad. When we come back, we're with the girls, Mika and Lizzie again at the fence. And Carol is there telling her not to feel bad about walkers and uh, uh, feel bad about your dad. Don't feel bad about the walkers. And she cuts some flowers for Lizzie's hair, puts them on her ear, and uh, Lizzie takes the knife from Carol's hand, puts it in her belt, and Carol is obviously pleased with herself. She does a big smile here in this scene. Yeah. When, was, when the last time you picked flowers, did you need a knife? No, I did not. <laughs> so 
Carol did. Well, I guess she just happened to be holding a knife. You're right. And no, she, she, drew, she drew it out. It was did in a she? sleeve or a sheath or something. She deliberately took the knife out to cut a flower stem. She must have wanted a nice, clean cut. Didn't want to rip it out of the ground because then you have, you know, dirt hanging off. and You're not going to put it in your hair if there's dirt on it. I thought the knife was excessive for picking flowers. Well, she also needed that knife to be in her hand so that Lizzie yes. could take it from her 20 seconds later. Yes, that makes sense. But, <laughs> you know, using a, a, a knife to cut flowers. If you go to a flower store, you will see the proprietors there cutting stems with either scissors or knives. Okay. To get a nice so, clean cut, it yes. that's what you do. And what do you use that clean cut for? So the flowers can drink water better. Correct. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, what happens next? Uh, Rick is setting up the pigsty to burn it down now. And yep. uh, he, the thing is, he doesn't know. I guess he says he doesn't know if the pigs. He says to Carl, he doesn't know if the pigs made them sick or if they made the pigs sick, which I think is an interesting point. Never occurred mm-hmm. to me. Everyone assumes that the pigs got the disease first and gave it to the humans. But maybe the humans got sick and gave it to the pigs. It's true. You know, you never really know. And here's the scene now. Carl tells Rick about Carol's knife class. So if this information was meant to drive a stake between these two characters, it doesn't seem to have been used that way. Carl comes right out and says it. Yep. And uh, the second time we have avoided the uh, Three's Company scenario. In this episode, you're very, yeah. uh, you're very right. Carl, though, also tells Rick that he agrees with Carol, that, Pete, that these kids need to know how to do these sorts of things and Rick decides that he will not stop her which mm-hmm. is uh, which is interesting so Rick I, lights, knew I knew he'd go that way well yeah exactly especially after what's been happening recently right I think yeah. he's a little bit more he's coming out of his complacent haze and getting a little bit more um, concerned with things and survival and such in this uh, harsh cruel world little girls need to know how to stab their fathers in the neck they do, and uh, if if I'm in the harsh, cruel world with my little girls, I think I'm probably going to teach them how to stab me in the head, neck, head, yep. ear, whatever. Rick lights the fire, though, and then he gives Carl his gun back, which was another yeah. great scene. He gives Carl his gun. Not only that, but he gets his old police belt and puts it on as well, so he's got his gun back, too. Time to strap it on. Is there a word for that kind of belt? Yeah, a gun belt. A gun belt? Yeah. Okay, it's not a holster. The holster is just the part that holds the gun, right? The holster is, holds the gun, and you put it on your gun belt. On gun belt. Okay, so gun belt is, is the right term. He puts that back on, and we are moving back to old police officer gun toting Rick, which is fine with me. The only thing better than the gun belt is a bandolier. That's the thing that goes across your shoulder. Yeah, because uh, that's what Chewbacca wears I was, a bandolier. I was just going to say, that's what Chewbacca wears. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you don't keep a gun in a bandolier, right? No, you keep uh, shotgun shells. Okay. And a shotgun you wear over your back, as if I've no- learned anything from movies. Or a long gun, you can have a strap for it and wear it on your back. Right, okay. Good. Or are you talking about Romancing the Stone, where he had it in a, th- a quick-draw harness on his back so he could draw it super quick? Um, I was more thinking about Ash's sawed-off shotgun in Evil Dead, or uh, Army of Darkness. I think he had it in a thing on his back, like a yes. sheath yep. on his back. Yeah, quick quick draw thing. Yeah, does that exist or is that just an awesome thing for movies? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> Although strapping on uh, 
I think Merle could have used a chainsaw on the stump of his arm. Yeah, that's true. That would have been a hell of an Evil Dead, you know, tribute right there. Yeah. So Rick puts his gun belt back on. Carl leaves, and Rick takes his shirt off to burn the pig blood-stained shirt. Good plan. That shirt has lasted a while. So RIP to the shirt. (laughs) And he also notices that more walkers are gathering at the fence at this point. So their whole plan here has really not yielded any good results. That's true. And now we get into the final few scenes. Tyrese is bringing some flowers to Karen's cell, but he finds her not there. We've seen little bits and pieces of this from the season four trailer. Yeah. He finds a blood trail leading from her cell. He follows it outside. And what does he find out there? Two badly burnt bodies with a gas can beside them. One of them is wearing Karen's bracelet. Yeah. And that is it for the episode. So Karen has not survived. She did not get to spend the night at his place. And uh, she was likely infected with this flu-like virus. And somebody has taken it upon themselves to try and rid the prison of people that are infected. Well, I don't know if burning would work. Well, killing them and burning them certainly wouldn't wouldn't hurt. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, burning, burning would stop the virus, uh, the flu-like virus. But I don't think, uh, you know, having a burnt body would mean that they, the zombie wouldn't come back. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person won't come back as a zombie. I mean, if the brain is burnt enough, you got to figure it's not... I didn't know. get the impression that these two bodies were burnt badly enough that they wouldn't reanimate. God, that would be awesome if we got that next episode to see these two or one of them stand up and start walking again, like a completely charred, burnt, you know, barbecue zombie. Man. Yeah. Well, you know, chances are the person that whoever did this is not a moron mm-hmm. and uh, put, you know, used a pencil to stab someone through the head, their very, very soft head, uh, so that their brain pan wouldn't uh, be able to support zombie afterlife. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So the big question here, the big question on everybody's mind, Jason, is there are two. The first of which is who burned these bodies? Do we uh, do we have a theory? I don't have a theory on that one. Yeah, it's it is a tough question. You gotta think it's somebody who thinks they are helping out by you know, helping contain this virus by eliminating the people that have it. Um, Dr. S, you know, he seems no. to know, he seems to know a lot about it. So he maybe. would isolate and study. You think so? I don't think he would, you know, take it upon himself to do this. Yeah. I think he would, uh, he would put them in, uh, put them in the, what, what, what was the ward that they wanted to put the sick people in? It was, uh, death, death, the row. death row ward. Yeah. Or, they uh, to put, they, he would have put them in death row and, uh, watched them. They were kind of on death row as it was. So why Pretty not put much, them in yeah. there? So I don't think it was him. Uh, I can't think of anybody who would do this. Yeah. Um, do you think these people were dead already and then he he just burned the bodies? Or do you think whoever it was killed them and then specifically burned them? Well, I... I don't know. Tough, I, tough call. Yeah, who knows? And I don't, I don't know, those, know what order it happened in either. Was it, did he drag them out? They were too sick to resist and then he burned them. And from that they died? 
Ooh. or do you kill them in the cells and then drag them? Because there was bloody bloody marks, yeah. drag marks, right? Yeah. So they must have died or been at least bleeding from various orifices already. Uh, like their eyes, possibly. Yeah, eyes, ears, nose, throat. Yeah, Doctor S did say that that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna bleed from all your orifices. He listed them all. So, um, the other question, of course, is who is feeding rats to the zombies? Oh well, that's Carl. Well, that's my theory too, and I'll explain to you why that's my theory. Okay. Be- because in season in episode one, they made a big point of saying that Carl was up all night reading comics with a flashlight. Yep. Now that could be a red herring, but I sort of thought why would they make that point if it didn't mean maybe he wasn't reading comics, maybe he was out doing something weird at the gates or at the fence with the zombies. Why would they mention the flashlight, you know? Um but it seems that the internet seems to feel differently. Really? Yeah, pretty much everyone seems to think that this is Lizzie, the disturbed kid. And the reasoning for this is that she was the one, uh, you know, they were talking to Nick, and people think maybe she was out there thinking she was feeding oh, Nick. Feeding that's her, a plausible alternate theory. Feeding her buddy, right? I so, still think it's Carl. Yeah. Um, if, if the comic book thing, if the comic book reference isn't a red herring, I think it's Carl. If it is, I think Lizzie is a pretty good second option there. Yeah. And I think most people seem to think it's Lizzie. So in the end, it'll probably be neither of them. And uh, we'll find <laughs> out maybe next week. I don't know. Now, the other thing is regarding the bodies, a lot of people think it's Lizzie feeding the zombies and it was Lizzie who burned the bodies. My problem with that theory is that I, I don't know that a little girl that age yeah. would be able to drag bodies out like that and and get them that far and, and so on. I, it just doesn't seem plausible to me, you know? No, I, I I agree with you, and I think that uh, I think it's Carl because Carl doesn't want to be a farmer anymore. He wants to do something, and in order to do something, he has to have something happen. Yeah. So he's kind of he's he's setting up a situation where he can be of help, other than being a farmer. Yeah, that makes sense. Now they haven't really. To me, anyways, they haven't really indicated that he's that unhappy doing the farming. I mean, they have a little bit. You know, he asked about his gun and so on. But it goes back to my feelings about the relationship there, uh, that it seemed to be okay between the two of them. And they're being honest with each other and so on. And they're farming. They're father and son farmers now. But I, I didn't think that it was, they were so simpatico. I thought that, uh, you know... Uh, Carl was saying like, we could do other things. We could help out on the fence line. And, uh, you know, Rick said, well, I have other plans for today. And then Carl said, well, if you've got other plans, I could go help. So, right. Oh, sorry. I should have said we have other plans yeah. for today. So that whole conversation was, for me, the setup and the reasoning behind uh, Carl setting up this situation so that he had an excuse to say, I can help out somewhere else that where it needs where they need help rather than just farming. Yeah, that's that's true. A friend of the show, Adam, sent an email in about this episode, and he, asked, he, he said, I have to say I'm really impressed by the chemistry between Carl and Rick. This episode showed a really interesting and complex father-son bond between the two. Kudos to both of the actors. And absolutely, the actors did a great job, but I think just as much... Um, uh, just as much can be said about you know the writers and how they're putting this relationship together. 
And, uh, you know, on one hand, as I was saying, it's, it's complex. They seem to be getting along well. And um, it's a very mature relationship, I think, in a lot of way, f- ways for a father and a son. But as you said, yeah, they, you know, Carl isn't necessarily totally happy with what he's doing, even though he's kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, man enough to know that he's sort of got to help out and he's going to do what his father wants him to do. Right. So I think it's really interesting and it will be interesting to see where it goes in the long run. And uh, bottom line is, who knows who's feeding those rats to the uh, to the walkers. But I think Carl and Lizzie are both good guesses. Yeah, I had uh, I was absolutely sure that it was Carl before uh, you mentioned Lizzie. But uh, now uh, I have a doubt. Right. Because that makes perfect sense that uh, that that she's doing it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that they're setting it up to be one of the kids, no matter what. Um, you know, for all we know, maybe it's uh, Mika, the other kid, the younger daughter, and she's just kind of the one sort of in the background who we think has got it all together, or as much as a kid her age can, but she's actually, she actually maybe just doesn't know better. Like, maybe she doesn't even realize that this might not be a good idea. Maybe it's Carol trying to put to put a situation... Uh, to get a situation going where she, uh, where the kids have an opportunity to learn to put down zombies in a dangerous situation. Oh gosh, that would be a stretch, I think. But it would be a stretch, but you know, could happen. I suppose it could happen. So before we move on from this episode, though, there's one thing. Uh, I think there's one thing I want to talk about. I, th- I in general, I like this episode. I thought it was. It was an, it was okay. I liked it. It wasn't amazing for me. There was I felt like there was a little bit of filler. I don't want to I don't want to necessarily go filler, but it didn't really progress the story too much. Yes, we learned out we learned what was going on with the uh, with the virus to a certain extent, but there was an awful lot of time spent trying to remove those zombies from the fence. And, I mean, you're going to have these things happen, right? Because you need to see what's going on. You need to see what is sort of threatening their safety and so on. But at the same time, it felt like not much changed at the prison. I think I disagree. I, I think it was a, a slower pace than the last episode or the first, uh, the premiere. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it was a solid episode. And I think it was a, a setup episode. But it was still compelling enough to, you know, to stand on its own. I just I don't think it was one of those run and gun kind of things, but I don't want every episode to be a run and gun. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you there. I'm just I, I don't know. I just felt like it didn't it didn't do enough. I mean, what it did do was fine. It it brought Rick back to you know the gun and so on, and it it explained the virus and it explained sort of what Carol is thinking. And like I said, I enjoyed the two uh, the two girls, and I hope they stick around for a while. But at the same time, Walkers attacked the cell block. A whole bunch of people died. Walkers attacked the fence, and that was it. So, you know, I'm not sure they needed a whole episode for this. Now, there's one thing in this episode that actually really bothered me, and What's maybe that? maybe you can tell me I'm totally crazy here. Okay. And that, it, to me, I noticed a weird disconnect between the multiple storylines that were going on here. The Carol and the little girl stuff seemed completely separate, like in a whole different universe than the fence coming down stuff yet they were happening supposedly all at the same time on the same day and um but they didn't intersect at all 
we had all these characters who were outside killing zombies at the fence, trying to put it up, driving a car out, luring the you know the zombies with the pigs, and then we had Carol and the girls standing outside of the fence for a good portion of this, but where was the other stuff while they were out there? I mean, did it really not overlap at all? And it felt to me like there was a kind of a strange you know a strange vibe that didn't really work as if they were in two different prisons you know what i mean i don't know i don't, if, know. I don't know if you picked up on that or not or not i did not pick up on that but and i don't and i think you are crazy in a little in a little <laughs> bit uh just because you know there are multiple stories in the in the naked city that uh, all kind of intersect in you know sometimes tightly coupled and sometimes loosely coupled ways i think this is one of those stories that is uh, more loosely coupled than, than not and even the uh you know the the time it took for the, that whole interaction between Carol and the two little girls at the fence was no more than a couple of minutes, right? So it, it's well within the time for Daryl running to get the vehicle and for them to put the you know put a pan on the trailer and hook up the trailer and put the pigs in the pan and then drive out through the gate and then get all the way around. You know that's going to take ten fifteen minutes. I don't know, man. It's uh, the other thing is I feel like this is a small close quartered group right it's not like it's not I was thinking about it in terms of lost where there's also lots of characters and stuff and we often got different things going on that you could believe I mean they were on different sides of the island for example different things that were going on that you could believe were happening independently of each other in a prison it's small everyone's together if there's a giant zombie crowd at the at the fence and they're pushing it over you'd think everybody would be worried and concerned about that but it didn't even seem to cross carol's mind at all throughout the whole episode she was she was in chatting with carl she was standing at the the gates talking to the girls while presumably like you know 10 feet beside them the fences were being pushed over i mean not 10 feet but you know what i mean like it right might, might be it might have been 10 feet well it might have been it might have been right there but they're just worried about flowers in the hair and and the mental health of this little girl, which is important stuff. But it didn't jive for me in that this major crisis was happening, but here they are, you know, talking about talking about other things. All right. You want you make a valid point and I think you're winning me over. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's good. I don't know. It's it it I just felt this disconnect and I really it kind of really bothered me about the episode. It it those two stories needed to intersect somehow. Somehow because of the close quarters of the prison and i just don't really think they did so right um it's interesting to have different things going on but it needs to flow a little bit more naturally in my opinion right you know what bothered me about this episode tell me it seemed like uh and this is a little ethereal but uh it seemed to me like everything at the prison was going along fine and everybody was happy and everything was just hunky-dory until we, the viewers, got there. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. You know, I feel bad about having, you know, the camera people being there and uh, <laughs> all of a sudden there's drama going on. The fence comes down, there's a sickness, all this stuff. If we just left them well enough alone, uh, they'd be much happier. Yes, Jason, well, that is how TV works. Um, I'm sure all the friends on Friends had 
fascinating lives or, or maybe boring lives outside of all that time you didn't see them. But the moments you did, that's when all the excitement happened. Right. You know, on, on Friends, we never watched them brush their teeth or have to go to work and slug all the way, you know, all their commutes and stuff. But uh, when, <laughs> right. you know, we the viewers are there, that's when the interesting stuff happens. And in this case, I feel bad because the interesting stuff is when their lives are in, you know, real peril. Yeah. Well, it's important to be interesting for us. Not so much them. Yeah. So I felt bad about that. All righty. One quick uh, call here before we finish up from Brad in Japan. And um, Brad's call contains a spoiler for World War World War Z, everybody. So if you haven't seen that movie or don't want to hear any spoilers from it, uh, the call's about 50 seconds long. So uh, skip ahead. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is friend of the show Brad here from Osaka, Japan. So, the new Walking Dead Zombies 2.0. The infected zombies I'm talking about, such as Patrick and the Fence Zombie, perhaps are like World War Z zombies. They only want to infect potential hosts to spread the infection. That's maybe why Patrick avoided attacking Karen, who later in the episode we find out is infected. Ah, I could be way off but maybe the new zombies behave differently. Anyway, I'm going to keep on watching the show and listening to your podcast for as long as they're going. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Brad. First of all, you're a little poppy on the mic there. Maybe back off a little next time, but just just a tip. No, uh, no hard feelings. Um, and uh, I don't want to give away the World War Z spoiler if I can avoid it here, but interesting point about maybe having some slightly different behavior from the zombies i i sure and this is going to be back into spoiler territory so uh just be forewarned uh i sure as i really hope that that's not the case because i really had a problem with exactly that kind that thing in world war z the movie because uh, in my opinion, and even you know, going back to Max Brooks' World War Z, one of the things Max Brooks says in uh, the Zombie Apocalypse Survival Guide is that zombies do not have superhuman powers. They do not have the ability to be, they're not super strong, they can't fly, they can't burrow through the earth at the speed of light. Uh, there's all kinds of things they can't do. If a human can do it, a zombie can do it. Humans cannot smell a degenerative disorder on someone it is very difficult to be able to tell that in a uh, in an olfactory way or at a glance or anything like that uh, we didn't know that uh, uh, that she was sick the Karen without her name Karen mm-hmm. uh, was sick so I don't think the zombies would have known that Karen was sick uh, and I sure as heck hope that that's not the case I agree with you I don't want them to go that route I don't want them to change the zombies up that much frankly if they're if they're if people are becoming zombies quicker because they're getting sick and dying that's fine that's not related to the zombie virus that's just they're dying and we know everyone comes back as a zombie but i don't want the zombies to be different or change in any way like that anyways i totally agree with you um but interesting point anyways to you know slightly different behavior in the zombies is different than them suddenly becoming supernatural or, or superhuman i should say they are supernatural that is true <laughs> all right and that i think is going to do it for this episode i thought it was decent not as good as season four episode one the issues i had with it were 
not major, but they bothered me a little more than maybe they should have. Um, but the good stuff was good too. So that's fine. It's a-okay. I think I liked it a little more than you. And I was just sorry to see that they had to kill all three pigs when it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. At least save one pig for your bacon and eggs the next morning. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have, holy crap, did you see that? And uh, our special listener feedback announcement. So um, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And as usual, we're going to recommend a book for you to uh, maybe give a try for your first book. And this week, I'm going to wreck a book, recommend a book. Which wreck a book. I'm going to wreck a book. I've wrecked a lot of Audible books, man. I just <laughs> plow right through them. This week, though, I'm going to recommend The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, narrated and here's the special part by Claire Danes uh comment or well-known actress from starring in such shows as Homeland well-known Canadian author Margaret Atwood that's right uh any now I don't know about you Jason or other people in the audience but when I was in high school Margaret Atwood and The Handmaid's Tale specifically was a book we had to read in high school me too yeah uh, I think probably a lot of Canadians you know students high school students after maybe the 80s had the same experience it was part of the curriculum and to be honest with you when I read that book in high school I can't say that I really loved it but one of the things I do or have been doing as an adult is revisiting things from my childhood to see if I still have the same feeling about them books movies uh, whatever. I've reread books. I've reread lots of books from my youth to see how I feel about it now. And The Handmaid's Tale is one of those because I certainly don't trust my, you know, 16-year-old self to properly critique any sort of work of art. Be oh, it my God. No, book or anything. hormones rushing through your brain. No. I, did, I didn't know anything back then. I mean, there's I don't know anything now, but at least I trust my, <laughs> myself a little bit more to understand the book and, and uh, you know, get something out of it. So I picked up The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood from Audible, narrated by Claire Danes. And she, first of all, Claire Danes does a great job reading this does book. Does she? Very good, good. Very good job reading the book. The book itself, I must admit, I really enjoyed it a lot more this time than I did as a teenager. It takes a little while to get going. I will say that, honestly. But the second half, or at least the final third of this book, is spectacular very very good and Claire Danes you know certainly helps in making it that good so I want to go out there and say if you read The Handmaid's Tale in high school if you're Canadian I don't know if American high schools have the same uh, curriculum probably not uh, but if you read The Handmaid's Tale in high school and didn't love it I say give this book a chance and uh, see see what you think cool I read The Handmaid's Tale in high school and did not love it well 
Jason, you need to get it on Audible and give it a try. Now's my opportunity. Now it is. So if you're going to do that, head over to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. In addition to The Handmaid's Tale, they have 150,000 titles available across all sorts of genres. And uh, you can get a book for free at audibletrial.com slash talking dead. And uh, we would greatly appreciate it. I'm a roller coaster, Holy crap. Did you see that? Holy crap. It's time for holy crap. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, genius. All right. We got uh, one from last week's episode, 30 Days Without an Accident, and we'll get right into all the holy craps from this week's episode. This one comes from Lindsay in the UK, and she said, holy crap, did you see that? The only vet... Herschel, still alive in the apocalypse, didn't think to check on their porky food source before it popped its clogs. <laughs> God bless the United Kingdom, first of all. <laughs> I don't understand popped its clogs. I had to look it up. Popped its clogs it? means die. And uh, popping can be a word for, apparently, according to the internet, pawning something, selling it off. And the only time you would want to pawn your clogs would be just before you die. <laughs> right, because otherwise you need them. Otherwise you need them, exactly. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, the yeah, so the pigs pop their clogs, and <laughs> Herschel, the only veterinarian still alive, didn't think to check the pigs, or the porky food source, as Lindsay called them. So, uh, Pork, I think... Uh, pigs are delicious. <laughs> they really are. They're cute and delicious. That's the problem. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, smart too, apparently. Yeah, popped its clogs. I like that. I'm going to use it from now on. Uh, Jason, give us the next one here from this week's episode. All right. So this this is these are for infected. We have uh, Lori from the internet. My holy crap! Did you see that? Is me crying my eyes out over Rick sacrificing those pigs, and then Rick crying about it too. Yeah. Poor Rick. He wasn't happy about those pigs, but he knew what had to be done. Right. He did. Matt from New Jersey writes, For my holy crap moment, I went with Karen washing her face before going to bed. Before he died, Patrick had coughed into the water at the shower. I'm not sure how they have their water set up, but I'm going to say that she got sick from using the water in the shower area. That makes perfect sense. Do you think this is water transmittable, though? or do you Waterborne? Think yeah, or do you think it's it's people just coughing and touching and stuff like that? Well, I think coughing and touching and stuff like that is waterborne. Like when you cough yeah. on someone, you spit on them. Good point. When you touch them, you got like oils on your hand or you, you know, coughed or rubbed your eyes or some damn thing. So it, this means, though, that kissing would transmit the disease. And uh, Tyrese was making out with Karen after that um, face washing scene. So he's got it Were too. Were they? Uh, they were making out before because then she was on her way home and then stopped and oh. washed her face. 
Crap, you're absolutely right. They were making out before the face washing scene. I think uh, I think Matt's on to something. Well, he could be. Now, Rick washed his face in the first episode, um, but that was rainwater from a barrel. So That was a barrel, yeah. Likely not infected. Okay, did Rick make out with the pig? That I don't know. If he did, I don't think we saw it. Okay. And if he did, well, he's in trouble then. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, we got James from Pittsburgh. My holy crap moment is definitely the cheese grater zombie. The effect looked great and amazingly gory. Hopefully this is how the season will continue. So James, of course, is referring to the zombie being pushed through the fence, uh, and mostly its eyeball being pushed through the fence. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome. I like that one. A few people wrote in with that moment. Good fun. Ken, uh, along the same lines, Ken from Oakland said, my holy crap, did you see that, was the walker whose eye was popping out through the fence. His head was starting to split open, and it looked like it wanted to say, I got my eye on you. <laughs> That's awesome. The, uh, the thing I noticed here is um, when I re I didn't notice the fact that his head started to crack apart the first time I watched this. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I watched it through, and I was so focused on his eyeball popping out, I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And then when I rewatched it, I've, you know, seen it three times now. When I rewatched it, I was like, hey, look, his head was cracking into the fence, too. He really was kind of cheese grating through the fence, which is awesome. So, Neat. Good point. All right. Uh, we got Rich from Okinawa. Holy crap, did you see that? The Day of the Dead reference. When the first guy, Patrick, was eating... Uh, was eating turned to get up. It was very similar to a scene in Day of the Dead, 1995 George Romero flick, uh, where the guts splattering and all. I think 1985 Romero movie. Oh, did I say 95? Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. So he's referring to, of course, the first guy. He gets he rolls out of bed, and all his guts on his stomach just <laughs> slop right off onto the floor. So I didn't get the reference, but I... Um, but that's that's a good one there for sure. And Greg Nicotero was on AMC's Talking Dead, and he mentioned that as well. So pretty nice. pretty cool reference right there. Alex in Australia says, despite being an episode that included shots of spilled guts, sliced heads, pig sacrifices, and burned bodies, my holy crap, did you see that moment? Was when Rick burned his shirt with the pig pen. There was no scar from either his bullet wound that originally hospitalized him, or a scar on his shoulder from when he was stabbed by Morgan in season three. I just feel that a show that goes so nuts on prosthetics and crazy zombie makeup, surely it would be a, wouldn't be a stretch to add these little touches. What do you think about Ugh. that, Jason? Do you think I, they just missed they just missed an opportunity to here to have his body scarring accurate? I think that uh, the show should hire Alex as a continuity uh, consultant so that uh, this stuff doesn't get missed. I think that's a really good point. I I mean, it didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to me to look, and I didn't even think that, oh, his scars not might not be right. But, yeah, the guy's been shot. He's been stabbed. He's probably been punched a whole bunch. I mean, he should have some bruises maybe and definitely some scars. He should. You know? Interesting point. Yeah. All right, so we got Mike from West Virginia. My holy crap moment wasn't a did you see that, but rather a did you hear that one instead. When Beth was singing a lullaby to Judith, she was singing a Tom Waits song called I Don't Want to Grow Up. Oh, I love that song. Uh, back in season three in the I Ain't a Judas episode, while, the, while in the cell block, she broke into singing Hold On by him as well. 
being a big Tom Waits fan, I was quite excited to hear the song by him on the show, Now Twice. So somebody's a Tom Waits fan. I'm a Tom Waits fan. Yeah, absolutely. And by somebody, I might mean the character of Beth, you know? Oh, yeah. She's too. choosing the songs to sing, so that's cool. Uh, and I Don't Want to Grow Up. I mean, interesting title choice there, considering she's singing to a baby, and she's supposed to be pretty young herself. So, and this episode, video on YouTube. Is it a good it's video? It's quite the video. Really? He's riding around in a little tractor. Or a tricycle, sorry. <laughs> so it's all about being... Uh, you know, being rediscovering your youth, I guess, yeah. or wanting to hold on to your youth, hanging maybe. on to it, never let it go. Um, Sarah from the internet writes, "My holy crap! Did you see that moment? Was undoubtedly Michonne's moment with little ass kicker. I feel like we just got a whole new look into why Michonne has such a hard exterior. And last season, she had said something about her two armless walkers deserved their death. I wonder if they were in any way responsible." for what I think we can say now was the loss of her child. So we already talked about the fact that we probably have a backstory here of Michonne losing a child or children, um, but Sarah's proposing that maybe it has something to do with those two armless walkers. That could be. Although if they were responsible for the death of your kid, I don't know that you'd want to keep them around like that, unless you thought that this was some sort of punishment for them somehow. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. We also do know the identities of those walkers if you've read uh, in the comics, some of the do. comic stuff. Yes, so we won't get into it here too much, but could be, could could have something to do with it. We will see. As I said, I expect them to sprinkle her backstory in over <laughs> long period of time, so we'll find out maybe someday. All right. So the last one is Kent from Kentucky. My holy crap, did you see that for this episode? It's not one in particular, but multiple. For me, it's pretty much all the great effects from Greg Nicotero and his crew. From Patrick to his meal gut spilling on the floor to the walker trying to go all Tremor 2. Terminator. Uh, Terminator 2. Sorry, I was thinking Tremors. Terminator 2 through the face. Uh, just some great effects, especially for TV. Yeah, I think he means Terminator 2 through the fence. Uh I, I oh, guess is there a scene in Terminator where somebody gets mashed through? Yeah, a fence? Terminator Two, the uh, the T one thousand, which was uh, the guy from X Files, uh, is walking through a prison because uh, what's Sarah Connor's in prison or in a mental hospital, and he walks through the uh, the bars of uh, a closed uh, gate. Right, right, right. So he goes through the gate and the, he just kind of flows around it, and then the, his gun gets stuck and he has to turn it. I remember now. Yeah, he's, that was quite the scene. He's Mercury Terminator, and he can turn to metal, or right. turn to a liquid form of metal, yeah. yeah. He is a uh, liquid metal uh, Terminator. Interesting. All right. See, I was thinking Tremors too, <laughs> which was quite the movie in itself, but it's no Terminator 2, I can tell you that. No, I don't think I've seen Tremors 2. Was Kevin Bacon in that too? Oh, no, God, no. No, he, he got it the, as far away from that as he could after Tremors 1, I guess. I don't know why. It was a fantastic movie. Oh, I like Tremors 1, absolutely, but... I two not tremors. So, two not so much, eh? Yeah, <laughs> not so much. All righty. Well, those are your holy crap. Did you see that moments for this episode? Um, listener feedback. Here's what we're gonna do, everybody. All right, let us know. Instead of reading listener feedback right now, because there's so much good stuff, and we also have a problem in that we record our podcast on Monday evening, about 24 hours after the episode airs on TV. That doesn't mm -hmm. give people all that much time to get their thoughts together, put it down in an email, or give us a call and send it in. 
So we end up with a lot of feedback about the previous week's episode. And it just kind of feels weird to have a new episode already aired and we're recapping it and talking about it, but also have all this good feedback from a previous episode. So what we're going to do, we're going to try it for a little while, is put out a second podcast during the week, a little bit later in the week, where we can incorporate just listener feedback. And I think what we'll do is later this week, we'll record an episode that incorporates some from season four, episode one, and some from episode two to get caught up. And then in subsequent weeks, we'll just do some feedback from the most recent episode. So we're going to try this for a little while, see how it goes. We'll be able to probably get a bit more feedback into the show um, than we would if we tried to tack it on at the end right now. And uh, hopefully it'll give people a little bit more of a chance to send stuff in and for us to collect it. And it'll be a bit more relevant to sort of that week's episode as we as we move forward. So, uh, Jason, how does that sound to you? That sounds like twice the fun. Twice the fun, baby. It does. Um, so expect that towards the end of the week. I'm not going to say exactly when it's coming out. It'll be a bit of a surprise. But we're going to try it for a few weeks, see how it goes. If you think it's a great idea, let us know. And, uh, you know, if you're... It gives you at least, say, m- Monday through Wednesday, let's say, to get your uh, to get your thoughts together and get some feedback into us about the episode. Um, and hey, it even means that the regular show will come out on Monday nights. You still have a couple of days probably to respond to something you might have heard on the main podcast too. That's so true. We get those. We get that benefit as well. Rebuttals. <laughs> Rebuttals. <laughs> That we might otherwise just skim right over. <laughs> yeah, just gloss right over those. But now we can uh, we can have feedback. That's right, actual feedback. So, yeah. um, let let us know if you think this is a good idea. Uh, I think it might work out. But as I said, we're going to do this on a trial basis for a while, um, and and see how it goes. So no listener feedback tonight, but sometime later on this week we will have an episode that has some more in it. We're still going to do Holy Crap, Did You See That's on the main show 24 hours after the episode because those are supposed to be more things that occurred to you right then and there or just shocked you or something like that. And I think it's reasonable to get those in in the first day if you can. (laughs) Right. That's all I'm saying. Do it. That makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it's a cool thing and we can uh, keep it together as, as we move forward. But you know what else that means, Jason? Um, no. It means that this podcast right here, right now, is pretty much over. Oh, well, there it is. So uh, let's just throw a quick reminder out there that we've got shirts for sale. It has our, dare I call it, iconic handset graphic on it, as illustrated by a friend of the show, Dave. Uh, you can find those at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash shirts if you'd like to pick one up. Um, and... Uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you do. We get a tiny little bit of money that goes right back into hosting, and you get a fabulous Talking Dead podcast t-shirt. Or a hoodie. Or a hoodie, baseball shirts. You can choose the style. They have sort of girly styles too, which is great, so you can get whatever you want. And in a variety of wonderful colors too. Wonderful colors. That's right. Uh, I've been wearing mine around, and uh, I love it. (laughs) Good. I'm just saying. What color did you get? I just got a black one. You got a black one? The graphic is printed in white, so darker color shirts work better. I'm just going to so throw that out hot pink was there. right out? Well, I mean, white on hot pink would look okay. All right. Get you know? that one then. Well, I, hot pink may not be an option. 
I tried to, I actually limited the colors a little bit to the mostly darker ones. You can't order a white shirt with white printing on it. I guess I could leave it up to people, but you know, whatever. Just try to make the best experience possible. Well, if you really do want a white shirt with white printing on it, you can go to your local Walmart and buy uh, a pack of four <laughs> yeah, of those probably. in the Fruit of the Loom and then bring them home and, uh, you know, walk around pretending that our logo's on them. <laughs> Printed in white. That's a great idea. I'd much, yeah. I would much prefer people to go and buy one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. That's all. There's uh, there's kind of an off pink. I was looking at the colors. There's kind of a. It's not hot pink, but uh, there is a pink option. That's cool. Maybe we should each order a pink one and and uh, wear them around together. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> what we'll do is we will be wearing them around when we go to Walker Stalker Con, dude. That is like a week and a half away. Yeah, I know. We are, you know, barely a week away. We're going to be heading down to Atlanta for Walker Stalker Con. If you're going to be there, by all means, come up and say hi. We'll be doing the panel. I think the panel schedule is going to be released towards the end of this week. Um, <clears throat> I heard that uh, over with James and Eric on their show. So look for that. And uh, it's going to be so, so exciting to be down there. You know, we'll have stuff to, to give away. We want to meet everyone we can. And uh, like I said, it's only in a week and a half, so it's coming up really, really fast. And in case you missed it, Andrew Lincoln has been announced as a guest, so they have almost all of the primary cast from The Walking Dead. It's going to be fantastic. If you can make it, if you're in the area, I highly recommend checking it out. I'm so excited to go. It is going to be awesome. WalkerStalkerCon.com slash tickets, or just uh, go to their site for all the information. That's going to do it. If you want to give us a call, you can do so at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 9662. It's a toll-free call. Remember, though, that phone line is closed between 9 p.m. and midnight Eastern Time on Sunday nights. But all the rest of the time, it's open. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Finally, you can send all your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Those are all the ways to contact us, and I think that means that the show is over. Cool. So until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.